I'm Pastor Richard Gamble, and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org. That's www.firstbastrop.org. Well, let's start by going to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, now as we come to this time of our service where we open up your word, Lord, we pray that you would also open up our hearts, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts willing to obey and conform to your word. As followers of Jesus Christ, Lord, that's what we're here to do. We're to become more like you. But if we're going to become more like you, we need to understand who you are and what you expect of us as your followers. So, Lord, teach us today. Teach us and help us. Help us to crucify this old sinful flesh and follow after you and become more like you. Now, these things we pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 10. Deuteronomy chapter 10. Looking at verses 12 and 13 this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 through 13. Yes, that's right. Last week we did a chapter and a half. This week we're going to do two verses. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, that's just the way it works sometimes, right? Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 through 13. Also, if you don't have a Bible with you, you can grab one of the Pew Bibles there, and it's page 145 in the Pew Bible. Page 145 in the Pew Bible. Now, as we've been going through Deuteronomy, we've been talking last several weeks about wholehearted allegiance to God. Right? We've been focused on that first commandment. We're continuing to be focused on that first commandment. So Moses gave us the Ten Commandments back there in chapter 5. And now he's systematically working through the commandments and he gives the greatest amount of attention, of course, to the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before Yahweh, your God. Uh, you're, you're to give your wholehearted allegiance to God. A commandment number one. And from chapter 6 through chapter 11, he expounds on that and he drives that home for us. And so we've been looking at that all along, committing our wholehearted allegiance to God's sovereign authority over our lives. And we've considered a number of reasons to give wholehearted allegiance. He's been heavy on that. Moses really wants to make sure that we understand we don't give our allegiance to God in order to win God's favor, but we give our allegiance to God because we've already gained his favor by his grace through faith, for us in Jesus Christ, we've gained God's favor. And because we have God's favor, because he first loved us, now we love God and we want to give wholehearted allegiance to him. So that's been kind of the whole kind of theme of, of the, these uh, chapters up till now. Uh, why do we give wholehearted allegiance to God? Because of his grace, his past, present, and future grace. It's all about God's grace. But now, what then does wholehearted allegiance look like, practically speaking? 
How does this unfold in our lives? Because if we just talk about allegiance, we can come up with all kinds of, of ways that we might give allegiance to God and, and how that might look like personally. But how do we know what God expects? How do we know what, what allegiance looks like to God? Because we need to be concerned with what God considers allegiance to be, right? We need to understand His definition if we're really going to apply it to our lives. And so today... In our text, and in these two verses here, Moses makes that clear. He kind of unfolds this a little bit. And he gives us a practical look at what allegiance looks like in the life of a child of God. And so, just think about allegiance. The definition of allegiance is loyalty or devotion to a person, group, or cause. You know, a lot of people say they're devoted to God. Just like there's a lot of people that say they're Christians. But when you look at their lives, what do their lives tell you? And sometimes it's not that they're Christian, right? They, they live completely different than what they proclaim. And so we need to understand allegiance. And so today, Moses kind of gives us a glimpse into wholehearted allegiance and what that looks like in action in our lives. And in summary form we're going to see that wholehearted allegiance requires more than verbal acknowledgement. It is an active commitment and submission to God. Wholehearted allegiance requires more than verbal acknowledgement, more than saying, I give my allegiance to God. It requires more than that. It is an active commitment and submission to God. It, it works out in active ways, practical ways in our lives. And Moses reveals this to us. He shows us this by revealing here in our text five key traits of wholehearted allegiance. Five key traits to wholehearted allegiance. So I want us to consider that today. And my hope and prayer is that each of us will examine our hearts today and our own, own lives by these traits that we're going to lay out here and ask that question. Am I giving my wholehearted allegiance to God? Am I giving wholehearted allegiance to God? Where am I doing well? Where am I not so much doing well? And what do I need to do to change so that I'm giving my wholehearted allegiance to God? So that's what we're considering today. That's what I want us to, to think about today. And so we're just going to get into it. So five key traits of wholehearted allegiance. Let me read our text there. Got to get these things out to do that, though. Let me read our text. Uh, going to Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God, with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and uh, statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word, and may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. So the first key uh, characteristic or the key trait of wholehearted allegiance that we see here as Moses lays out this kind of laundry list of traits, is fear or reverence. Fear 
or reverence toward God. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord your God. Now, what does it mean? What does he mean by fear? Well, there, there's kind of two aspects here that's rolled up into to one, this term, this Hebrew term of fear. There's kind of like two traits. One, there is this terror, right? When we think of fear, we think of terror. And we don't want to lose that. Because when we are in the presence of an omnipotent God, there should be some trembling. There should be some terror there. Because He is a powerful, powerful, glorious God. When the, the elders of Israel stood at the, the foot of Mount Sinai and God's glory descended on Mount Sinai in a consuming fire, when the earth shook and His voice thundered, the elders were in terror. Oh, Moses, we'll do whatever the Lord says. Just, just tell Him not to speak to us any longer. You go find out what He wants us to do and we'll do it. But lest we die, don't let the Lord speak to us any longer. There was terror in their soul. And a lot of times, a lot of people will try to kind of push that aside. Oh, but it doesn't mean that. Yes, it means that. Right? God is not some big grandpa sitting up on His throne bouncing little babies on His knee. He is an omnipotent, powerful God who creates with the Word of His power. He, he creates. He, he brings to nothing. He, he keeps things in existence just by the Word of His power. He is a powerful God and we should tremble in His presence. When Isaiah had the vision of the throne room of God, he didn't say, wow, God, hey, God, hey, can I, come, can I come up closer to you? No, he said, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips from a people of unclean lips. There was terror in the presence of God, and there should be terror when we think about the power, the awesome power of God now of course as soon as we are met with the terror of God then we have the grace of God saying come unto me right we, we experience his grace and his mercy and his love but let us never lose sight of the terror the fear of an omnipotent Holy, glorious God. There is terror there. But there's also a reverence, right? When, when, we, when we have the terror, and that terror is met with the grace and the love and the compassion that God gives us, then that terror kind of develops into a reverence, right? Some of that terror is taken away by God's love and His grace there's still some fear and trembling there, but it's replaced by this kind of reverence and awe, a respect for God. So, so that's what we get to when we come to fear the Lord, revere Him, respect Him, give Him the respect that is due His name. 
So what does this look like? What does this look like on a practical sense? Well, think about the Israelites. We've, we've talked about this several times, and so I'm going to use that illustration again. But think about what we've talked about with the Israelites. When we read in our Old Testament, you've heard me say this many, many times. When we read in our Old Testament, we come to Lord in all capital letters. Uh, that is, in the Hebrew, that's the proper name of God. Uh, some people would pronounce that Yahweh. But the reason that we don't write Yahweh in most English translations, there are a few out there that do this, but most in English translations, they just put Lord in all capital letters to signify that that is the, the proper name of God. Why do they 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 do that well they're maintaining that tradition that ancient israelite tradition when the teachers and the priests of of israel would come and read the the hebrew text and teach the hebrew text when they would come to the proper name of god they feared they feared taking the name of the Lord in vain. They feared using God's name inappropriately or taking it lightly. And so instead of saying Yahweh, they would replace it with the Hebrew term Adonai, which is the Hebrew term for Lord. And it was all out of respect and reverence for God's name. They did not want to disgrace God's name in any way, shape, form, or fashion. And so they said Adonai, instead of pronouncing God's proper name. In the English, most English translations, they respect that tradition, and so we see it written out as Lord in all capital letters. We should, we should uh, sanctify God's name, right? We should respect and revere God's name. That's just one way that we honor God, right? We respect, respect God. We honor His name. Now, a lot of people don't, right? You, you look on Facebook, and I've seen a lot of Christians do this. They respond to something, some picture or some video on Facebook with OMG. And you can say, that, oh, well, I mean, oh, my goodness, but that's not what everybody else reads, right? We know what that means. It's taking the name of the Lord in vain. It's using God's name To express a feeling, an emotion, an excitement. You're not revering God's name. You're using it as a common word to be thrown around here and there and wherever. Yesterday, I was in, in Walmart. And over a, an aisle over from me, I kept hearing this woman saying the name of Jesus, Jesus, over and over again, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. She wasn't praising the name of Jesus, though. No, she was using it as an expression of frustration at her children. And it was like chalk grating on a, a chalkboard. I had to walk away because she was taking the name of Jesus in vain. She was using it as a common expression. When we use the name of God, whether it be God's name or the name of Jesus Christ, we are not revering God. We treat that name as special. And we've got to be careful because we hear it everywhere that we go. And if we're not careful, boy, it'll slip out. You better be careful. Don't tread on the name of God. Don't tread on the name of God. As a holy name, we treat God with reverence and respect. He is not common. 
Nothing about Him is common. We treat Him with holy respect. So wholehearted allegiance, fear. Uh, wholehearted allegiance is, is fear. It, it fears, it respects, it reveres God and, and the things of God. And the things of God. I mean, this is my Bible. This is my favorite Bible. This is my preaching Bible. This is the Bible that I use all the time. And, and if you look in my Bible, you can see, maybe you can see from there, but you can see there's all kinds of notes in here. There's highlights. I draw in it. I do all kinds of things in it. I study. I put my notes, sermon notes and other things in the, in the edges and, and the margins and all that. I use it. It's to be used, right? I, I use it, and I want to get the most out of it, so I do that. I write notes and all that stuff in it. But you know what I don't do with it? And I came along this con conviction a, a, a few years back. One day I, I was studying and I just happened to set the Bible I was using on the floor and it hit me in that moment. That's God's Word. I just set God's Word in the floor. And immediately I picked it up, and, and, and since then I've had this conviction, God's Word does not belong in the floor, not because it's special, right? Not because I don't worship God's Word, but I worship God. And because of its relationship to God, because this is God's Word, it doesn't deserve to sit in the floor. And so now I sit it on my desk, I sit it on a table, I sit it in the seat of my truck, but it doesn't go on the floor, and it doesn't go on the floorboard because I respect God and I revere God. We are to revere God. Treat Him as holy Wholehearted allegiance fears, respects, reveres God and the things of God. Second, the second trait of wholehearted allegiance is adherence. Adherence. Adherence to God's principles. Moses says, walk in all God's ways. You shall walk in all God's ways. Now, to walk in all God's ways is a, a term that really means to adhere to God's principles and walking in paths of obedience. In other words, it's walking after God, right? It's walking after God. So you're, you're, you're out hiking and, and someone takes the lead, right? You're walking after them. You're following in their footsteps. You're following their direction. And if they go right, then you go right. If they go left, then they go, you go, they go left, you go left, right? You're following after them. And that's what Moses says. You follow after God in all of God's ways. You follow after Him. You see, in life... There are ultimately only two ways to live. You can follow after the world, or you can follow after God. Now, following after the world is, is typically defined by self-fulfillment, selfishness, fulfilling self-desires, Right? It's all about me. What does the world have to offer me? 
What can you do for me? Or how can you offend me? We hear a lot about that these days, right? It's all about me, 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 and the focus is on me. That's what the world says, and that's what, I mean, that was from the very beginning. That's what Satan did, right? Adam and Eve, God said, doesn't, it doesn't, don't eat this fruit, but hey, would you really die? You see, what God doesn't really want you to know that if you eat it, you will be like him. So if you will eat it, you will be like God. See, it's about you, it's about me, it's about the self. That's the way of the world. The thing is, the way of the world leads to destruction. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, there is a way that seems right to man, right? It seems right. It seems good. But its end is the way to death. It seems right. Everybody else is doing it the world carries on it seems right but it leads to death even eternal death so you can follow the walk after the way of the world or you can walk after the way of the lord and the way of the lord is defined of course by love for god and love for others it's not self it's humbling self and it's putting god and others Above self, before self. The way of, it's the way of righteousness and moral integrity. Leads to conforming to God and becoming Christ-like. Right? You're following Jesus. And so you become like Jesus Christ. And this path leads to eternal life. Jesus said, to all, Luke chapter 9, verse 23, if, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Let him deny himself. It's denying self. It's not following the way of the world because the world says gratify self. If it feels good, do it. But Jesus says you deny yourself and follow me. Follow me. Again, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 17, verses 13 through 14, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few wholehearted allegiance chooses the way of the lord and adheres to god's principles it adheres to god it conforms to the image of god in jesus christ dear friend walk after the lord follow jesus follow his way conform to jesus Wholehearted allegiance, fears, reveres God, and adheres to God's principles. Third, wholehearted allegiance is committed affection to God. It is committed affection to God. In other words, love. 
It's love. I say committed affection because I want to make sure that we bring in these two, two aspects of love because there are two aspects of love that we need to understand today. It is this committed affection. You see, in our culture, we often think about love, people often think about love simply as affection or emotion. And so people can easily fall in love and fall out of love. Right? If love is just an emotion, then we can fall in love and we can turn around in the next minute and fall out of love. When we talk about being in love, a lot of people in our culture, hopefully we have a different understanding of this, but uh, a lot of people in our culture, when they think about love, falling in love, they say, they, they, oh, I just love her. I'm just falling in love with her, right? Uh, what that means is uh, when I'm around her, that gives me a gooey, ooey, fuzzy feeling, right? A warm, fuzzy feeling inside. She makes me feel something. She makes me feel excited, and, and, and I want to be around her all the time. And, and so we fall in love with a person when, when they give us those warm and gooey, ooey feelings. But the thing is, as a fallen people, when we're around another person for very long, well, all the things that infatuated us about that person are replaced by things that irritate us about that person, right? right? We begin to see their flaws after a while. When we first start dating or whatever, right, there's no flaws. She's perfect. But then we begin to see the flaws, we see, begin to find things that, uh, about the person that, that irritate us a bit. And, and sometimes those warm and fuzzies are replaced with outright anger. Right? Just getting mad at a person for what they're doing. And so when those warm and fuzzy feelings are replaced with anger, then we can say we've fallen out of love. And you see, so many people today get married and they marry because they're in love. But then when the feelings change, they fall out of love and they end up talking to their attorney and going before a judge and divorcing because they've fallen out of love. See, they have a wrong understanding of love. See, that's not a biblical understanding of love. Love, first and foremost, is determined commitment. In the Bible, biblical love is a determined commitment. It is a determined commitment. It's a decision. It's a choice. We've talked about all that already when we think about God's love for Israel. He elected, right? He chose Israel. He said that over and over again. Not because you're a mighty nation. And not because you're righteous and good and wonderful. But I've chosen you because I've chosen you. I promised it to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? I, I'm fulfilling that promise. I chose you. I set my love upon you. It's not because Israel gave God the, the warm and fuzzies. Sometimes he was outright angry at them and ready to wipe them out. And by his grace, he didn't. Because he had set his love upon them. He chose to love them. And he calls us to love him. To set our love on Him. It's a choice. It's a decision. It's a determined commitment. I'm committing myself to God. 
And you know why that's important? Because sometimes when life gets hard and we don't quite understand what God's doing and we cry out, why God? Why am I going through this? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? In those moments, we need that commitment. I don't understand, God, but I'm trusting in you. I've committed to trust you and love you. So we've we got to have that commitment to, to bring us through. So love in the Bible, in Bible terms, is a determined commitment. Setting your love upon God. Loving Him regardless of what you feel inside. But, let's not overcorrect here, because we, we could overcorrect. Uh, we, we could think ab about love just as commitment, and, and that become a cold commitment. Right? There's no joy, there's no excitement, there's no delight. And, and that's not true either, right? That's not biblical love either. That's not biblical love. Biblical love does have affection, it is affectionate. There is that joy. There is that delight in love. And that's to be there. I mean, surely you, you, you probably know some couples. You've been around some couples. They're completely committed to one another, right? They take, they've taken their marriage vows seriously, and they're committed to each other, but they don't like each other very much. They don't want to be around one another. They're cold, and we would call it a loveless marriage. The commitment's there, but the love, the affection, it's gone. Well, that's not how our relationship with God should be defined. No, it is affectionate. In fact, David, we, we see this over and over and over again in Psalms, but, but this one just came to mind. Psalm 42, 1, As a deer pants for flowing streams, Right As a deer longs for that flowing stream, so pants my soul for you, O oh God. You see, there's affection there. There's a desire for God. And our love should desire God. Like, I, I'm, I'm thoroughly committed to Mary Beth. I've taken my vows with her seriously, and I'm committed to her. But our commitment is not a cold. I really like being around her, right? I enjoy her company. I delight in her. And that's how our love with God should be. It is a commitment to love God even when we don't feel very loving toward anybody. But the affection is there. We enjoy being with God. We want to be in His presence. We want to have that relationship with Him. And how do we do that? Practically speaking, how do we engage that in our own lives? Well, it's just like in a marriage. My love for Mary Beth, at this age stage in our life together, it's not an infatuation. Right? It's not just emotional because sometimes I know there's, I know for sure there's sometimes that she doesn't like me so much. Right? I know there's plenty of times that I get on her nerves and, and make her mad. In fact, we just had a week of, I didn't feel so good. 
I was a little shorter than I should be, and I know she did not delight being around me that week, and, and uh, I had to go to her and apologize. I'm sorry. I haven't felt good, and I'm sorry. But you know, the commitment gets her through those times. But that's not, that's not it, right? There, there's affection there. We enjoy being with one another, and we enjoy being with one another because we worked on it for 30-plus years, however long, however long we've been together. We've been together for a while, and, and we've worked on it, right? We've worked on it. We've spent time together. We've done things together. We've enjoyed one another. And the thing, same thing goes with our relationship with God. If we want to grow our relationship with God, if we want to deepen our love for God, then we've got to spend time with God. And the way we spend time with God, we spend time with God in His Word, in prayer, and even with His people. You have to develop that love and continue to, to develop that love. So wholehearted allegiance consists of committing, uh, committed affection to God. There's a commitment to follow God and trust God. And it is a commitment that loves, enjoys, delights in God. So I wonder, do you delight in your relationship with God? Do you rejoice and have joy in God? Key traits of wholehearted allegiance, fear, reverence, adherence, committed affection, and fourth, committed service to God. Committed service to God. Serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Now, what does it mean here to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? Now, a lot of people think that uh, service in this respect uh, means to come and worship. Right? You serve the Lord by coming to church, and, and you, you sit in a worship service, you worship the Lord, and, and that's service unto the Lord. Some people have that idea. That's not how you serve the Lord. That's not the primary way in which we serve the Lord. In fact, Israel kind of thought that. They kind of fell into that kind of mindset where service to the Lord just means we go to the temple, we make our sacrifices, and, and that's it. Then we go on and live our lives Every other day of the week. Amos chapter 5, verse 21, God responds to such service. God says to Israel, I hate, I despise your feasts, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offering of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs to the, to the melody of your harps. I will not listen. But let justice roll down like water and righteousness like an ever-flowing dream. It's not just about coming and sitting in a service, singing songs and listening for a while while the preacher goes on. That's not service. That's part of it, but that's not it. And if that's all you do, that's not really service. If all you do is come to church and sit in a pew and then go home and that's it, that is not, dear friend, service. You serve the Lord 
as he says, with all your heart and with all your soul, with, with all of your, your thoughts, your attitudes, your actions, you serve the, door, the Lord daily with how you live your lives. With what you think about the world, how you think about the world. You, you conform your mind to God's Word. You transform by the renewing of your mind. By studying God's Word, you conform your thoughts to, to God's thoughts, your ways to God's ways, and your actions, what you do at the grocery store when the line is too long and, and no one wants to help you, right? How do you respond? Do you respond in the way of the world or the way of the Lord? When you're going through the drive through and you sit for 20 minutes in line waiting, waiting, waiting for one little thing, how do you respond? How do you treat the person there at the window when you finally get up there? What do you say? A part of your service to the Lord. It's how you act towards other peoples. God wants His people to seek justice and righteousness as Christians one of the primary ways that you serve the Lord is by serving his church by serving his church and you don't just serve by coming and sitting and you serve by getting involved in the ministries and activities of the church now certainly that looks different for different people according to your own gifts and talents. But let me just say, if you're not involved in any, sort, any kind of way in the ministries of the church, you're not serving the Lord, not the way He wants you to. He gifted you. He gave you talents to serve Him in His church. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10-11, through 11, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength of God, that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We serve the Lord every day. By our thoughts, our actions, our motives, everything that we do, and we serve the Lord in His church using the gifts and talents that He has given us to serve His people and take the gospel to the nations. How's your service to the Lord? The key traits of wholehearted allegiance, fear, reverence, adherence, committed affection or love, committed service, and finally, obedience to God's word obedience to God's word and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord which I am commanding you today for your good keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord which I am commanding you today for your good we are to live in obedience to God's word for Moses and the Israelites what Moses was giving them was the word 
word of God. That's all they had. Now we have the Old and the New Testament. We have the whole book, the completed book. And so today, we want to live according to God's word. Live in obedience to God's word. How do we do that? Well, if you're going to live in obedience to God's word, you first have to know God's word. Therefore, you have to study God's word. You have to study God's word. That's part of what we're doing here today, right? I'm, I'm preaching, I'm teaching, I'm opening up God's Word, showing you how it applies to your life, but don't let it stop on Sunday, right? Don't let it stop on Sunday. Don't just stop with what I tell you. You need to be in God's Word every day of the week, reading it, studying it. And as you are studying it, then you need to apply it. You need to apply it to your own lives. See, we can read God's book like a novel. If you read a novel, you don't really apply a novel to your life. You just read the novel, you enjoy it. Oh, there's a good story there. Oh, that was interesting. Oh, that was great. Then you put it down on a shelf and you go on about your life, but you don't apply it to your life. God's Word is not that way. We don't want to read God's Word and say, oh, that was interesting. That was neat. And then set it on a shelf and walk away. No, we need to say, Lord God, as I'm reading this, how do I apply this to my life? How, how, what are you teaching me from this text? And, and we make that application so we can then conform to God's Word. We need to conform to God's Word. We need to take what God's Word says, apply it to our lives so that we conform to it. We become like God. And that's the mission of, all, of our lives, right? It's to become like God, like Jesus Christ. And so we want to live, we strive to live in obedience to God's Word. Now understand, living in obedience to God's Word is not always easy, convenient, or popular. In fact, it's seldom easy, convenient, or popular. Especially in our day and time. More and more so in our day and time. It is, it's actually hard, right? It's hard. Living in God's Word, it's costly. It will often cost you time. It will cost you money. And often it will cost you friends and loved ones. Why do you do it that way? Why do you believe that? Well, I can't, I can't stand That offends me. That offends me. So I can't have any kind of relationship with you. It is costly. Sometimes it hurts to follow God's Word. And it's certainly not always convenient. Because our society makes it more convenient not to follow God's Word. It's not convenient. It'll cost you dearly. But, notice this. As Moses says here, God's Word, His laws and His commandments are for your good. You see, it may hurt in the short run. It may hurt a bit on the front end. But ultimately, God's Word is for your good. And in eternity, for sure, you will see the good 
of God's word for your life. It may hurt here and now, but one day when Jesus returns, you will understand fully the goodness of God and the goodness that comes from conforming to his word and living in obedience to God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. Wholehearted allegiance to God seeks to live in obedience to God's word. Wholehearted allegiance, again, requires more than verbal acknowledgement. It requires an action. It is an action of committed of commitment and submission to God. And we've seen those five traits of wholehearted allegiance, fear, reverence, adherence, committed affection or love, committed service, and obedience. So let me ask you, dear friend, how is your allegiance? How is your allegiance to God? Have you committed yourself completely to God? Have you committed wholehearted allegiance to God? Examine your life. Where are you doing good? Where do you need to improve? Look at that. Think through that. Make those adjustments. Commit to wholehearted allegiance to the Lord. For the Lord requires nothing less. He wants your wholehearted allegiance. And His Spirit, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, His Spirit is working in you to make that possible. So commit to wholehearted allegiance. Now maybe you're here today and are listening in, and you've never committed wholehearted allegiance to God. In fact, you're still living in complete rebellion against God. Well, I want to tell you today that God loves you and He sent His Son to die for you so that you can be in a relationship with Him. And the first step, if you continue to live in rebellion, rebellion ends in destruction. The way of the world ends in eternal death. But if you'll repent from that, that way and turn to the Lord's way, and trust in Jesus Christ. He will draw you near to Him. And He will show you the way of life. Start by committing your allegiance to God. By trusting in Jesus Christ. And committing your life to Him. And He certainly will save you. And give you life. Oh Heavenly Father. Lord we thank You for this Word. We thank You Lord for showing us. Exactly what allegiance looks like. Certainly we could add other little things here and there to this, but Lord, these five traits really bring it home. And so, Father, I pray that we would look at these five traits and examine our own lives seriously. And Lord, may we always strive toward allegiance. to becoming more like Jesus, following in your way and your footsteps, and bearing your image in this world of sin and death. And Father, Lord, I do pray if any are living in rebellion 
against you. Lord, may they turn, trust in Jesus, and commit to wholehearted allegiance to following after him. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen.